You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. He's the top Republican in the House of Representatives, and President Trump has referred to him as my Kevin. On May 2nd, the Washington Post Live hosted Republican House leader Kevin McCarthy for a wide-ranging discussion that covered immigration, the fallout from the Mueller report, Attorney General William Barr, and the 2020 election. Let's listen. Good morning. Great to be with you this morning. I'm Bob Costa, national political reporter here at the Washington Post. Uh, happy to welcome Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California from Bakersfield, California. We have some Bakersfield people <laughs> yes. in the house. Appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation today. Thank you very much for coming to the Post. Thank you. So let's begin with the news. Okay. Attorney General Barr testifies yesterday before the Senate. After watching that testimony, do you still have faith in the Attorney General? Very much so. I think the Attorney General has done a tremendous job. And let me, let me raise a couple points. Um, I know within the news they said, maybe your paper po posted a letter from Mueller. Um, That's correct. The Post broke that story. I was trying to give you a plug. <laughs> you were a little late. I gotta go quicker. Um, but when you hear the full story, Barr offered Mueller to read the few pages that he's going to put out ahead of time. Mueller declined. He talks to Mueller on the phone and then raises the question, is there anything in here that's not truthful or misgiving? No. So when you take the hyperbole away, it's all fine. Then when you look at, it's kind of two volumes, right, that's released to the public, and you hear all the things, I want to see everything. I'm one of the few people that have been able to read the unredacted. But in the first volume, the public gets 90% of everything. Only 10% of that is redacted. In the second volume, they get 98%. This has been a really transparency from a, from a position of the Attorney General has been really good. If you, if you take the politics away and you pause and you literally just look at it, his ability to, the public was all angst, you know, on that Friday, sure. get something out to the public very quickly, and then pretty much get almost the entirety of it out for everyone to have their own view. That's your view. What about, sh should we hear from Special Counsel Mueller? Would you like to see him testify? He's, he's welcome to testify. Would you like to hear from him, though? Well, I've been through it all. I, I don't see where there's any concerns or difference that I have. He's more than welcome to. I, I, don't have any, I don't have any qualms with him testifying. Do you have any concerns, though, about the letter that was sent by Robert Mueller to the Attorney General about the way the Attorney General's handled it, the timing of everything this was in the rollout at the Department of Justice? No, because uh, we've all just lived through it. And I just gave you the facts. 98% of Volume 2 is out for everybody to see themselves. 90% of Volume 1. And he's, he's going by the rule of the law. And then from the same standpoint, to get something out to the public when the public's sitting there doing it, to go and testify, I think this has been very transparent. Do you think Democrats in the House are going to move to impeach the Attorney General? I think they'd be stupid. I don't understand the reason why. I, this is, when you sit and look at what Nadler did yesterday, I mean, even from this standpoint, I think they were so pent up on trying to impeach the president, they're, they're, they're not thinking through of what they're doing. Even Bill Maher thinks Adam Schiff is a stalker now. That is how far Adam Schiff has gone. And he's a chairman of the Intel Committee? That would be the worst scenario. A Republican now citing Bill Maher? Yes. 
I mean, that's a, how far you go. If Adam Schiff is a stalker, according to Bill Maher, that's the best reason why he should no longer be chair. But what Nadler You say he's a stalker, but isn't he just trying to pursue the constitutional oversight and the power of Congress to have oversight over the executive branch? No, he claimed that there, he had <laughs> proof that was never there, so he lied to the public. Nadler, well, yes... And Adam Schiff lied to the public? Yes. On what specific issue? That he had, he said he had proof from the standpoint that the president had done something. He, he claimed it before the investigation ever began. And then we see that there was nothing there? Well, there was no conspiracy. That was the conclusion of Special Counselor Mueller. He outlined a lot of different foreign interactions. There was no collusion whatsoever. And he said he had, beyond um, the belief of what he saw and what he knew, I, I There was mean, no conspiracy. That was the, there's a difference between conspiracy and collusion. There's a, there's a difference between saying as you're an, a chair of a committee and where if you're the ranker from the Democrats and you're on the Intel Committee and you say you have proof. I, th I think you have to be held to a higher standard when you're sitting on an Intel Committee and you're telling the American public something and you continue to repeat it. You repeat it up until the month of the report coming forward. So you say there's no collusion. You've read the unredacted report. Mm -hmm. Senator Mitt Romney of Utah has said he has read the report and he has been sickened, that's his word, by the president's conduct. When you read the report, do you share that view no, on I'm, any front? I'm sickened that it took this long, this much money, and that we went through it for this ability. I think we have slowed the country down. I think it's a time to move forward. I think the public has been able to see it. But when I watched what Nadler did yesterday, that he tried to change the rules, I mean, and, and, and it's, it's probably a common denominator that I've seen before, that what I hear, we want to expand the size of the Supreme Court. We want to change the electoral college. We want to now um, tax people to actually provide money inside a campaign. Um, it's the changing of the rules because somebody can't win. To actually go in and change your rules that somehow you don't trust your own members who run for Congress to ask the questions. The only time, and this is CNN, CNN looked for any time the Judicial Committee used staff to interview somebody from a cabinet level. When's the only time that's ever happened? When you get into an impeachment. No other time before. But that's where Nadler wanted to go. He doesn't trust the 18 members who are actual attorneys who are on his but it's, own it, committee. But there's a precedent in the past for having lawyers interview major figures in the government. Name me one time where a uh, staff interviewed somebody of a cabinet level that was an impeachment inside the Judiciary Committee. It's not in their rules to do, so they yesterday, and we all set our rules every two years when we take over. That's what we vote upon. We it all, wasn't we in all there. remember Fred Thompson during Watergate. You just raised the point. Watergate. So are all, are all the Democrats the wanting to do an impeachment? Let's just pause on this. The whole point of having lawyers interview is to have sharper questions to find out more information for the American people. What's wrong with that? You just raised a very good point. Sharper questions. Do you know who goes on to the Judiciary Committee? Members of Congress. You know who run? Members of Congress. You know who are those members that get selected for the Judiciary Committee? Normally those individuals who have been attorneys in practice in those fields. So you're saying, are they not, fine. Does Nadler not believe his own members are sharp enough? So does he believe those be 18 clear. attorneys are not good enough? I will tell you that's, this. That's a fair point. In, in the, the future, eight though, years right. that we are in the majority, 
Never once did I not trust our members to be sharp enough. So, you're, so in the future, if there's a Democratic president, you will never, under this precedent you're establishing here, you'll never ask to have lawyers interview members of a cabinet. Judiciary committee, no, unless it's impeachment. So just your that, That's what the history is. When, when, uh, I, I mentioned Senator Romney's comment. You have your ear to the conference more than anyone in the Republican Party, what they're actually saying behind the scenes, not in front of the TV lights or the cameras. Are there any, any grumblings about President Trump's conduct or the, what was exposed in the Mueller report among rank-and-file Republicans who you talk to every day? Okay. I don't have to have my ear to the conference to answer that question. I don't even have to go into the Republican conference to answer that question. I can go on the road with Democrats who are running for president. I can go with Democrats who are members of Congress who are having no, their town halls. And you know what the answer is? There's not one question that people are bringing up to the multiple. That's um, among the voters, country? that's your view. But inside yeah. the conference, when you're privately with them, are people saying, Leader McCarthy, I'm concerned about X. I'm no. concerned about Y. You know what they're concerned about? The same thing their constituents are concerned about. So they're about. fully in line with President look, Trump. We are a microcosm of society. Now, the Senate may be a little different. I, I view the Senate as like a country club, and the House is like having breakfast at a truck stop, all right? We are a microcosm of society. And we reflect what is happening in society today. And look, I'll be on a plane today, and I'll be back in Bakersfield by tonight. I'll be with my constituents tomorrow. They won't really raise, I don't hear the Mueller report. I hear about jobs. I hear about immigration. I hear about health care. And I think from Americans' point of view, especially if you look at within these committees, they ought to take a pause. We just went through 22 months. Do we really think we're going to know something more than we don't have the power but of a grand You want to pause, but what we if don't the White House is stonewalling? Does it set a precedent for the White House to keep denying these requests from Congress about the power of Congress. You believe in the institution. What do you mean the power of Congress? Well, the power Barr, of Congress. Barr was sitting before the Senate committee yesterday. He was going to go before Judiciary Committee today. He already agreed. He was going to answer any question a member of Congress, Republican or Democrat, had before him. And then what did the Democrats do yesterday? We're going to change the rules. I know you said yes. We want to change it. We don't trust our own members. We're going to bring these attorneys in. Never done before. So, yes, I believe in the power of Congress. I also believe in the rule of law. And what the Democrats are doing, to me, is they need to move on. They're trying to change the rules in the process. They don't like the outcome of the Mueller report. I get it. They didn't like the outcome of the election. I get it. But I think it's time to have some adult supervision in the room and focus on what the American people want, and let's start talking about these issues. Look, in the first 100 days, if you measure what this Democrat majority has done in the House, you'd question whether it's the U.S. House of Representatives or the U.S. House of Resolutions. They don't pass bills anymore. It's a resolution. They have more bills. Does this end with impeachment? The Democrats continue to say if the White House puts their hand up in the air and says we're not going to provide documents, we're not going to provide certain witnesses on a lot of different fronts, that they see it in the Democratic ranks as an abuse of power, the executive branch refusing oversight authority from Congress. Does it end with impeachment over that reason rather than something in the Mueller report? There is no reason for impeachment. I know the Democrats have wanted to impeach since after the election. I know 
Every administration has had these challenges with the House. You go back to what the Obama administration did when we were in the majority, what you did with the Attorney General when we would talk about what transpired in Mexico uh, when it came to the guns being over there, his denial about giving us the papers. Um, what makes this different? You were so, Republicans and, and you as one of the leaders in the party were very aggressive going after the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. And you said they should comply with every request, bring people to Capitol Hill. What makes this situation any different? Why can't Democrats demand the same level of disclosure? That's a great question. And let's raise that. Let, let's pay apples to apples. Did we ever request the personal finances of President Obama? Did we ever go after his family? Did we ever request the children? Did we ever request his in-laws? Did we ever request the person, use the personal attack? Did we ever personalize the IRS for our own weaponry? That we would use the power of the IRS to punish an individual if we politically disagreed with them. But don't the American people well, have a right to see the president's tax returns? The American people have a, have a uh, the law of the land is you have to file a, a financial disclosure. That's legally what you have. If the American people want to change that, change the law to what people have to run in the future if you have to do the But from an ethical return. point of view, to but know from what the president's interests of, are in abroad, to know what the, the full scope of the president's finances are. We, ha we have a right to know. That's why we have him fill out a financial disclosure form, just like everybody else who's ever run for president. Now, do they have a right to go back 10 years? Do they have a right just because they're chair of Ways and Means to say, I don't like you. I want your, I want to use the IRS because I need to know what you've done. Do they have a right to go after the children? This is personal now. Well, it's not, we've never, it's not, it's not we've never going taken after the children. it that far. They're trying to find more about the president's finances. The president has refused to give over his tax returns. Congress is using its authority to try to request them and going and the White House has sued, President has sued on a personal level to block Deutsche Bank and Capital One from providing records to Congress. No one has ever done this personal attack, and this is the one part I will make. He's given all the financial disclosure legally you have to do like anybody else who ran for president. He just went through 22 months, and let me, let me ask one question to this audience. Congress does not have the power to have a grand jury. They will not have all of these FBI agents working underneath them. They will not be able to go to all these different countries. They will not have 2,500 witnesses. What do they think they will learn that the Mueller report already didn't just go through? So why would the Democrats because continue along because, because they, the don't, they mandate didn't was like narrow, the outcome? Right? No, we know they didn't like the outcome. Well, the special counsel's mandate was narrow. He, he was not supposed to go into the president's finances by his own mandate. It was to stick on Russian election interference and then the president's possible obstruction of justice. Congress, and you may disagree with this, House Democrats are saying, because Mueller had a narrow mandate, we thus need to go into these other areas. If it was such a narrow mandate, why are these other individuals um, having cases against? What happens when you go into an investigation you find other things. They've looked at everything. I think as a nation, for the health of this nation, let's move forward. All right. Mo let's, Had we let's, not let's done 22 that, months? Let's stick on that theme. If okay. you want to move forward on the Russia, on the Russia investigation, <laughs> is our House Republicans ready to move forward on scrutiny of the Justice Department?
Yeah, you don't. What, what transpired and why we got to this point, you would want to make sure this is not repeated. So you do, so let's, Mark Meadows, the congressman from North Carolina, was here earlier this week. He mentioned possible criminal referrals from House Republicans about the Department of Justice and its handling of the investigation. Are you aware of any upcoming criminal referrals about the DOJ from House Republicans? I think there's a couple that uh, Mark Meadows has called me about, and a referral is simply that, a referral. Let the Justice Department look at it. If somebody has information, provide it, just, just as all sides would. Who? Who's going to be referred? I think there's a question from Mark Meadows. He believes he, he's... So you support Mark Meadows and his efforts? On I, su I, support, I support the rule of law, yes. And I support that we should not ever have to go through this again, regardless of who is in that White House, whether I vote for that person or not. This country is at a point that I think this is divided as too far. Well, you're saying we, we, the country should move on, Democrats should move on from the Russia investigation, but you also want to investigate the no, origin no, what, of the investigation? What, what I want to move on to, I want to move on, let's, our job is legislatively, let's make that happen. The Judicial Committee, they just walked through all this. Barr has come in after the fact, been very transparent in the process. If he has found something that people have done in the past that are not correct, correct it. I want to as Americans and all of us to trust all these agencies. Should there I think be a second real question should, on the on the trust front? Should there be a second special counsel? Several House Republicans have called for that to investigate the origins of the investigation. I trust where Barr is going, and I think let him do his work. So there's no need for a second special counsel. I trust Barr where he's going. If there's a, if something other rises up, then that will be. Well, the there's case. an ongoing IG investigation I, at the department. This ongoing IG has been ongoing for a long time. I'd like to see what that is, and there may be a case for it. Uh, Congressman Meadows was here, and others have talked about the president's language. He uses the word coup, a coup attempt. That's how he describes the investigation. It was not only a hoax, but it was a, an attempt at, to have a coup d'etat of his own administration. Did you share that perspective that President Trump has? I don't think it's President Trump's perspective. Well, it's his word. I think when you read the text between individuals, they use it as well. I believe, yes, a few individuals wanted to They don't use the word coup. Their actions are a coup. So their actions are a coup attempt? Yeah, very much so. That, that's a s significant word. It brings up I, uh, re uh, the image of a revolution abroad, of people subvertly, covertly working to overthrow a government. Have you read the text? The Strzok text? Yes. Page, yes. So what'd they say? Well, there was, we don't... We what'd they say to one another? It will not happen on my watch. What do they go through on just talking before the election and after the election? You're talking about two individuals, whether they're capable of doing it or not, but you're asking me a specific question. If I read these texts, right. what is the, what is the determination equal. between these two? And if I took the names away, and I took the situation away, and I read it to this audience, they may come to that The reason conclusion. it's worth asking is it's, lawmakers will bring up concerns about the conduct of the Department of Justice, but when a president uses a word like coup or Republican leader in Congress, who's the top House Republican, agrees that it's a coup. If you ask me, you, based upon that those the trust, that does that language, erode the nation's trust in the Department of Justice, to use words like that? Does it erode the trust in the department to have individuals in the department use words like that? That's the question. That's why when you asked me, do you have to further up so the public can trust these agencies? The question is yes. You do not want to have any of this happen again. You want to have an election that's trusted, but you want to have an election that people 
move forward on at the same time. The, the behavior of individuals in these agencies, and the worst part about it, these agencies are amazing, amazing agencies, and they're made up of thousands of people, where a few individuals could do something to build a distrust. Same thing can happen inside the House. Same thing can happen inside the Senate. That's why, regardless, you want to build that back. And I think the public sees that. And it's not my term. It's what you hear from the language they used within a text to one another. So the question should not be on the emphasis of what the president says. It's these agents. Well, the, what the president says matters. And he, what the president says and matters. It's but it's the fair actions, to raise, the no, actions it's fair to raise of what, the actions what, of Strzok the and action of But it's also when you use the word coup. What was their job? Where did they work? The what, what were they trusted with? Not just with the president, they oversaw from Senator Clinton what she did. They had an ability to be at a certain power level that most Americans the word will never though, get to. Suggest they they're acting outside the of the law. They have the ability. Do you believe they're acting outside of the law? I do not believe they were abiding by the rule of the law, no, based upon what they were saying. When I look across the street at the Supreme Court and I look at the statue, it's a scale, right? But they were but what, is she, what, they is she, what is she wearing? The, she is wearing, she is wearing a blindfold. Were these two people unbiased? I ask you that question. Were they unbiased? You read the text. But you're raising questions no, that undermine... I ask you a question. Are they, were they unbiased in the text that you read? You're the leader of the House Republicans. I know I am. That's you're why I'm able to ask a question. You're, you're aligned with President Trump on this. It's just, it's just evidence. Look, I'm not, not going to argue with you. A simple question. I answer all your questions. You read the text. Were they unbiased to one another? And you're they were raising the question of whether they're lawless They were working in law enforcement. Were they unbiased based just on the text? We've read? reported them on, on them here at the Washington Post extensively on the page and struck text. You're the person so you're in power. you're not answering my question. Well, <laughs> you can bring me on your, your uh, post live one day. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about infrastructure. Two trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. Table. Are House Republicans going to rally behind a comprehensive package for $2 trillion? Pay for is always the difficult part. How do you pay for it? You know, there is a bipartisan bill out there that could pay for part of it. It's called the GAIN Act. You know who supports the GAIN Act? You have the Black Caucus and the Freedom Caucus. Isn't this only $100 billion? $100 million that you don't have to raise taxes on. Um, it's a start of where you go. It goes to the hundredth poorest districts. Um, it has bipartisan support already. That's a good start. Two trillion dollars. If the Democrats walk in and they want to change the tax code, take more money, uh, and raise taxes, I think that's a difficult position to be in. So I you're saying it should be done on a piecemeal basis, not in a sweeping piece I'm of legislation. I'm not saying a piecemeal basis. I'm well, you just you raise I, I, one piece of legislation that's a chunk of two trillion. I gave you a start where you could begin. I didn't give you the finish. Um, but you're saying it should be done gave in you parts? An well, I, I just picked something out that was bipartisan. I just picked an ability to start the process. Um, Are you willing to adjust the tax law at all? No. In any way to try to get a little revenue for an infrastructure package? No. Why not? Because I don't think we need to raise the taxes. I watched what just transpired. Think for one moment of the ability of what we just were able to accomplish that took three decades to do. We now have unemployment claims at a 50-year low. 
We just had GDP when people were going to say is they're, they're praying for a recession. No, we continue to grow. What about We've fees? Got unemployment what about the air, from airplane all passenger fee? Okay, well, let me finish this question. We've heard your talking points about the tax cut <laughs> many a time. But you think it's so easy. My God, this is a major accomplishment for the country. You, you know what we do too often? When I was in graduate school, we would do these things called the SWAT, strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Threats. Are you strong enough today to overcome your weaknesses? Is tomorrow's opportunity strong enough to overcome? And do you have enough money threats? to pay for infrastructure? So I think we could. Uh, what, what I think air, we could you, find you ways to so do it. You're not willing to touch the tax law. The U.S. the tax law. The Democrats walked into the White House and said they want to change the rates in America. We just went from the least competitive to being competitive. We saw the outcome of what happened. It took us three decades. So it's to clear do you it. don't want to touch it. I but don't want to touch. What it. about a gas tax? Well, I just watched the governor of California. This is interesting, Gavin Newsom. He's very, he's very interested. He's going to do an investigation because the national gasoline tax. I'll get this wrong because I live in California, but the national rate is somewhere around 250, 260. Is that, a, is that about right? But in California, you pay more than four dollars, and he, he, he can't believe it. We have to have an investigation. Why is California gasoline price so high? This is after he just increased the gasoline tax. But he doesn't understand why it's more than $4 in California and not everywhere else. The gasoline tax was used, and it's a user fee. It's actually a smart thing to do, right, when people ride on the roads. But now we have electric cars. They don't pay it. We take the gasoline tax, and we don't use it all on roads. Now we put it on bike paths. We put it into buses and others. So it doesn't go as far. There are real reforms that I think you'll find Republicans are going to come to the table and want to get done. We, we believe in infrastructure. So you're open it to, should, it to modulating the gas tax as part of an infrastructure package. No, I'm, ra I'm raising a point that... Um, you're open to discussions it, about... I'm opening that it, it is regressive against the lower income. What I'm finding it, it's happening in California. Um, I'm finding from a standpoint that it doesn't go to the roads that we said it would go to. I'm finding that it takes you 10 years to build a road when we can streamline something. I think there are public and private partnerships that you can leverage, that you can build roads further. It should go directly to what it's happening. Um, but I don't think that is a place the Democrats are saying change the tax code of currently, that would be your um, rates of what you're paying to pay for the infrastructure bill. Um, I don't think that will work. How firm is your position? If President Trump came to you, you're so close to him, and said, uh, Majority Leader, we're going to need to raise a little bit of this fee or a little bit of this tax. This is my signature infrastructure program. Would you say, I can compromise on that? I'm behind you, President Trump. Look, what, what I would see in the process is I'd want to be able to have the GAIN Act on the table. I want to be able to have reforms. I don't want to wait if I vote for an infrastructure bill that my grandchildren are going to see or finally be able to drive on the road. I want to be able to drive on that road. And I think there's a better way to do it, and I think there's a better way to get synergy when you do public and private partnerships. And I'll sit at the table and I'll work with anybody who wants to work to solve the problem. Do you think it happens this year, infrastructure? If it doesn't happen this year, I don't think it'll happen next year. It's too much in a presidential year. Uh, if I go based upon what has happened so far in Congress, I find it hard uh, to do. Um, this is a start, so we'll see. USMCA, the president's trade proposal, does it get a vote before the August recess? If I was speaker, the answer would be yes. But you know the dynamics as well as anyone. Speaker Pelosi has concerns. Some House Republicans have concerns. Okay, so the Democrats had concerns. 
And this is, these are important because this is from the basis of how we're going to vote. And they wanted Mexico to change some of their labor laws. You know what just transpired? The Senate in Mexico just voted to change their labor laws. That was a concern they had before. Um, I think USMCA is strong for America overall. I think it's strong that all the Americas should work together. Um, I think this will benefit everybody. We should put politics out of this. I hear some Democrats say, I like it, but I don't want to give the president a victory. That shouldn't be the place of where we are. We should have a vote, we should have the debate, and we should move it. How much harder does it become after the August recess as you start heading into election season? I don't think it's harder for me, and I don't, I don't believe, I believe it'll be carried mainly by Republicans. So I don't think the difficulty's there. I think um, Speaker Pelosi should just schedule the vote. Are you in talks with her about a USMCA vote at any level? It hasn't gone deep enough yet, no. What do you mean by that? The Speaker has the power when to call this up. So you can talk, but it's not a negotiation. Is there any deal you could cut with her on trade to try to get a vote? Well, this is already negotiated. I think it's more via the administration. The administration has been working with her. Um, I know we opened up with the shutdown. That's beyond us. The Mueller report's beyond us now. So this is a perfect timeline to do USMCA. Don't put it in historically why I say the second year, that's a presidential year. It makes it a little more difficult in the Senate. You got a lot of people running for president in the House too. Kind of put politics into any issue that you're doing. This would be a good time to get it done. On health care, you've said in the past that it was a major burden for Republicans in 2018. Are you still wary of attempts to try to dismantle President Obama's health care law in the coming year by Republicans? No. Um, I think the Democrats, if you look at them too, they, they agree Obamacare does not work. More than half of their conference has co-sponsored Medicare for All. They actually had a hearing on it in the Rules Committee. So you're going to run on health care in 2020 as one of your key issues? Yes. There's going to be numerous issues we run on, but health care will be a major one. Will because you, it's a real concern for me. Will the have a plan? Yes. A replacement plan? Yes. A new piece of policy will emerge? Yes, you will see that from the House. You see the administration and all of us working together because this is my real concern. Medicare for All is a great name. And so many things we vote on have great titles. The problem is inside the legislation. It automatically, for more than 158 million Americans, they lose their health care. Any private health insurance, you no longer have the option. Medicare Advantage taken away. TRICARE. Um, that is a concern to me because you have so many members who are running for president who have endorsed it as well. More than half the conference, they had a hearing and rules about it. Um, that's a real concern to me in health care and that's why I think we should have a very healthy debate about that. You said the administration has, wants to have a plan, you want to have a plan on health care. Who's going to take the lead on that policy-wise? The administration has been doing a great deal of work on it. We've been working with them, yes. And are pre-existing conditions entirely protected? Yes. How central is immigration for your party right now as you look ahead to 2020? I think immigration is central for all Americans. We have a real challenge. Um, we've got unemployment at a very low rate. We've got a immigration system that no matter what party you believe in or who you are is broken. It needs to be modernized about the way we do it. 
We've got a border that needs security. If any of you have been to the border recently, it's fundamentally different and it's driven based upon the policies that we have today. Um, but does the administration's policy alarm some Hispanic voters in this country and others who just have concerns with the hardline nature of the policy? You've done a lot in your career to try to reach out to a wider circle of voters. Do you ever stand back and wonder if the administration's approach is helpful politically or not? The, th the way I sit back and look at, I, I was speaking to um, a business person yesterday, they have a hard time hiring somebody. Um, I was down at the border a couple weeks ago and I look at what these children, their parents sent them through. I look at the cartel that runs the border. It's, it's just not working from every angle. We have an asylum legislation and we believe in that, but it's being misused. Whereas individuals will come and walk through two or three other countries, not claim asylum, but to get to come here. They'll, they'll put their child with somebody that I don't believe is safe in the, in the pattern. We are the most liberal of any country when it comes to immigration because I believe in immigration. We're all immigrants, more than a million people uh, each way. But half the individuals that are here illegally came here legally on a visa. We can't change that. We, we have a, we're coming towards the end of a, of coming to a graduation time. We're gonna have brilliant individuals who go to our university, who get engineering degrees, PhDs and others. And we're gonna tell them to leave our country to compete against us in another country. Um, we have a system that we know from a security level we can protect and that it works, but we won't do it. So we, we have people on both sides that are so extreme that won't do something that they know they have. Speaking I come from that, an agriculture community. One of those voices I know it. is Representative Steve King of Iowa, who as majority leader you've had to deal with. You removed Congressman King from his committees because of comments he made that were related to white nationalism. Is there any chance you ever let Congressman King back on committees inside of the U.S. House? Not this term, no. Not this term. Look, so uh, it's possible in the future Congressman King comes back in 2021 if he wins re-election to a committee? The steering committee makes that up. This steering committee will not act the rest of this time. Um, you don't know me, but I grew up in a town that's Bakersfield. My family happened to be Democrats, I happened to be a Republican. A couple things that have driven me to be in the party that I believe in. I believe it is the party of Lincoln. Um, I think I have a responsibility as a leader too when actions are taken or actions are said. It's not on a one-time basis. Um, I brought before a steering committee and we did remove Steve King. And I stand behind that, what we did. But why won't you rule I do out have in the future? A, I do have a real question on the other side of the aisle, though, as well. When I watched, and we see what's happening today, the anti-Semitism, you see every study of the growth of what's happening there. And then when I saw what was said on the Democratic side of the aisle, as a minority leader, it was only the Republicans who brought a resolution to the floor. Are you going to continue to push do. for legislation on boycott, divestment, sanctions movement? Yes. BDS movement? That's this is Senate that, Bill you're 1. You're keep moving on this? Yes. Uh, we will do a discharge petition. What's the timeline on that? Does it 
the process, I believe, ripens this month in May for BDS legislation. And then we'll start the signatures. BDS Senate 1 has passed the Senate with 77 votes. How many things passed the Senate with 77%? The Democrats won't even schedule this bill or move it to a committee. So we will do a discharge petition so everybody understands what it is. It takes 218 signatures. Simply says, BDS is anti-Semitism. Allow companies to be able to compete and do business with Israel. The idea that you're going to um, not allow this vote to take place when you're in the majority, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure to bring it to the floor. What makes you different than Speaker Ryan and Speaker Boehner? You're now next in line. You're their successor. They were Speaker, and I'm not. Fair point. Is but wait, there's an opportunity. <laughs> we got two more years. Let's talk about that. Uh, are you going to weigh in at all in primary fights on the Republican side ahead of 2020? If you want to become Speaker again, you got to win uh, some key races in tough districts. You know, Will you weigh in on primaries? My, my, I don't always weigh in primaries. I have, and I will. So you will? Um, Senator oh. Tim Scott was running for Congress. I met Tim Scott, I was 2010, you were with me in that election night, but in the primary I met this man and I think he was extraordinary. He will tell you there's only one person in Congress that maxed out to his campaign in the primary, and it was me. Um, there are certain places that I weigh in um, when I think it's appropriate, but it's not my behavior to get into that many primaries, but when I think it's smart and I have a true belief in it, I will. What's the outlook in California? The Republican Party was swept out almost entirely. In we got a lot of upward mobility. <laughs> got a lot of area for growth. Outlook. A lot of area for growth. But well, well, let me give you let me give you why. Um, the first thing you'd look at the party, right? Well, the party just elected the first woman to run the party, but she happens to be the first Latina to run either party. Um, she's a millennial, Jessica Patterson. She's really an amazing lady. That was the first sign the party as a whole made a collective decision based upon everybody who was running the very best person. We just saw a special election in uh, Orange County for supervisor, a district, supervisor districts are very big down there. Um, Loretta Sanchez was a Democrat nominee, very, you know, she represented the area for a long time. Republicans won. Democrats had done a couple things in the last election that were interesting. They changed some of the rules. Okay, in California, it's now same-day voter registration, and you don't have to show an ID. But in California, the majority of us vote by absentee. And what you do when you sign up to vote by absentee, you get the ballot, you vote it, you put it in the envelope, and then you sign your name and you mail it in. Well, your vote doesn't count yet. They'd take your envelope, they'd look at your signature, they'd pull up your voter registration, see if the signature's the same, if it was, opened up and counted. They took that away. And it was only certain people, you had to return your ballot, or certain people in your family, and it had immediate family, had to circle who they were and come up. No longer. Now you can go to somebody's door, knock on it, which, you know, these new ring doorbells. We have these videos of people going, it's a special program for Democrats. We're here to pick up your ballot. That, that even the LA Times believes, gives you the greatest ability for fraud in an election. But uh, studies it, show that voter fraud is not at all like Republicans are talking about it, that all the data shows that voter fraud is very minuscule 
all studies show it's very, you use anecdotal, this, this is, anecdotal stories to paint this bleak picture of voter fraud across the country. I don't know, did I ever mention voter fraud across the country in that answer? All I was stating is the law was different. Now let me tell you what the LA Times has done. A few people were prosecuted in LA. This is the first election that you had it in. Um, it's a cultural difference between Republicans and Democrats on the ballots. Republicans didn't believe the law really allowed you to harvest ballots, so it would be a different program. So when I look at Orange County when we lost these um, congressional seats, even though the Republican nominee won them, I think these are areas that will win back. When I look what the Democrats did on suing for redistricting in Pennsylvania, they got the lawns redrawn, so they won three seats there. I saw the election law they changed in Maine. In Maine, if you run for a federal office, you no longer vote for one candidate. What you do now is you rank them. So you vote one, two, three, and four. So the last person in there, if you voted number one for the person who came in fourth, they take your second vote, now gets the first vote. So now there's a member of Congress who came in second who's now the member of Let, Congress. Let's turn to President Trump. You've built this relationship <laughs> with him. From Maine to President Trump. Let's, mm. let's bring it back a little bit. You've given him starburst candies in the past. We've reported you that. You wrote about that, and I have this lady attacks me now because I, you wrote that story. Well, sorry, you're the one in public office. <laughs> Comes with the territory. Do you still give him starburst? Do you still give him gifts like that? Let me tell you the quick story so you understand. No, no. It was a simple thing. You know thinking. the story. Do you, okay. keep, do you keep giving him gifts like that to cultivate the relationship? No. I gave him a gift. I flew on Air Force One. He liked certain kind of Starburst, so I put it in a jar with my name on so he always thinks of me when he reaches and get a Starburst. No big deal. A simple thank you. I, I, I thought my parents raised me well, right? You, you send a thank you. Um, no, but I talk to the president all the time. He calls you my Kevin. Does that bother you? He calls a, he calls a lot of people my whatever. Uh, no. Does he realize how much of a divisive figure he is nationally when you're up close with him having dinner Let me with guess him? who you voted for. No, I'm trying to understand. The president often, his confidants, like yourself, don't often reflect on how he sees himself in, inside of the whole country. How does he see himself nationally? I mean, we know this is an explosive time politically. Does he, does he ever grapple with that in private conversation with you about how he's changing the norms, about how he's changing the country? Most conversation I have with this president is... He's worried about infrastructure. He's worried about health care and others. He's not an individual who's going to wake up and say, oh, no, someone dislikes me. He understands if he's going to get certain things done, he's going to be different. And he's no different than he was when he ran in the campaign. People made a decision. And I think they're going to judge him on, is he doing the job that he said he would do? Look, there's a lot more things we've got to get done legislatively. There's a lot of things still out there if there's one that I can raise to. Because I think it's an important one that shouldn't be partisan. Privacy. The world is changing because of technology. But there's so much more that we've known. I mean, okay, everybody wants to go through the Mueller and everything. But when you start looking at Facebook, Gmail, and others, I mean, there, there's a couple pieces of legislation. I, th I think we really start to have to start thinking about privacy and what we're putting out Should there. Should social media companies that. be utilities? No, no, no. But we should have this. I mean, th there is a detour bill out there that Mark Warner and Deb Fisher have that I think is pretty interesting. Um, there's what they call dark patterns, you know, that they try to get you 
to get you to give more data and why are they using it? I think there's got to be greater transparency. And I put a lot of thought into this and I thought, how could you capture America to understand what's happening in privacy? So let me try something on you. Do you think I, they're biased against conservatives? Social media companies? Tech companies? Individual, individuals are. From the same, but, but if I use a term, you, you will say I'm doing something wrong. It happened in our last conversation. So let me finish this one. Because um, I want to try something with this audience. Um, let, let, what if I let, raise let, this let's legislation? Let's try it after the... the no, 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 let me try it. Uh, this is about legislation. <laughs> what, if I, what if I propose legislation and ask the postmaster to make postage in America free? So if you want to mail a letter, it's free. But because we're doing it for free, we get to read your letter. But it's going to be good for you, okay? Because when we read your letter, we're going to realize you're looking for a new outfit, so we'll send you an advertisement. So what's the question you're But if you're, ask? if we also, you might want to look at this book, or, or maybe somebody, maybe your mother-in-law is coming to visit. We could give her a great hotel of where she could stay. Or you want to go on a, uh, on a tour, you're, you're thinking about a vacation, so we give you some ideas to Disneyland or something else. Would that be okay? Everybody who writes on Gmail, that's what happens. You would be offended, right? So are you if we calling for more regulation of Google? No. What, what I'm saying is my data is my data. If I leave your platform, my data should leave your platform too. So how else There should be transparency when I'm so on your platform. <laughs> let me finish. It should be very open of what data you are taking from me. You shouldn't try sneak things to capture more of my data. That's how you're gathering money. And I think from a point, if I raised an issue that I'll let you mail a letter for free, but I'm gonna read your letter, you say, whoa, that's wrong. But I'm gonna send an email and you think it's very protected. Do you think, I wonder if Siri only listens to me when I ask her to. That's pretty conspiratorial. No, I, I just raised a question. You think Siri's listening to you? I don't know, I don't have my phone on, so. We appreciate that. <laughs> Let's finish up with some politics. 2020 presidential race starting to kick into high gear on the Democratic side. Is Vice President Biden the biggest obstacle, the biggest threat to House Republicans getting the majority back if he's the nominee? No. No disrespect. And I, I'm not a Democrat, but if I look on the outside, Joe Biden could be where Jeb Bush was in the last election for Republicans that the party had passed him by. He might have to apologize for a lot of things he's done. And I think the party's probably in a different place. I think the Democratic Party could be similar to where the Republican Party was. They almost seem angry. Um, we missed this one opportunity that we should have won the same. So earlier. if Vice President Biden isn't the biggest threat in your mind, who could be the biggest threat on the Democratic side to Republicans retaking the majority? If, the, if this Democrat or that Democrat's at the top of the ticket on the other side? You said it's not I, I think most of these Democrats have moved themselves and reacted for a base that helped Republicans to take the majority. Remember, in the next election, Republicans will have three seats with members sit in that Hillary carried. Democrats will have 31. It only takes us 18, 19 seats to win the majority. We have a bigger minority than the Democrats had. Um, I think the whole debate of the next election isn't going to be who's going to take the majority. It's going to be about socialism versus freedom. And that's going to be a much bigger debate about America. And it's going to go beyond parties. 
and I think, I think the independents in this country are going to be a determining factor. And look, I, I just went through Latin America, and I went to Argentina, Brazil, I went to Colombia, I went to the, I went to the borders of Venezuela. 47,000 people a day cross that border. Well, that's, that's no, no, but no, it, wait, it's, there's a it's big a difference point. between socialism I know it is. in Venezuela No, I know that, but, 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 I, but, I, but I want, let, let me make my point, though. It's only fair. But you're not comparing Senator Sanders to Maduro. If you let me make my point, you'll understand. 47,000 pe 47, people cross that border. I would sit and I would talk to them. They would look like in the audience today, and they, they would come over every four days because they got to get milk because they don't have electricity. Their hospitals don't have electricity. The bathrooms don't work. They're, they're operating by using the, the iPhone. 20 years ago, it was the jewel. And no one said anything was going to happen. Hugo Chavez came in, then the first thing, then he privatized something. If I take one aspect back, I'm not equalizing it, well, in a sense. but they offered free health care, fr free education. If I look at the legislation that's been proposed, H.R. 1 and how, how your bill number gets picked is the order in which you put it in. But when you're in the majority, you reserve the first 10 numbers. So the very first bill is your most important bill. Ours was tax reform. Theirs was election reform. And what did it do? It empowered government more. It meant if I was, in, if I was running for office and I raised $200, government can now take $1,200 from you and give it to me. A Green New Deal. I believe we have to do and make the climate better. And I think we've, we've come a long way, much better than anybody You believe climate change is man-made, man-caused in some respect? I, I think we have a real oh, problem gotta, with climate change. We, but, I, no, but let I, me finish this point, because this point you, is very important, and it's going to be what the whole debate it. is about. That simple bill with a nice name will control almost every element of your life. Our Medicare for all, it takes away your choices in health care. What it is, it's greater control. And yes, we are not Venezuela, but 20 years ago, they were nowhere there. When I met these different families, I walked away, and it was a bipartisan, bicameral. And I said, you know the only difference between that family and us? They were born in a different country. That's the only difference. They were risking everything for their children, much that we would do the same. And I think this debate is a healthy debate because I think it's been brewing for some time. Well, I hope you come back to The Washington Post. You're raising a lot of questions. I hope you come back for another conversation at some point. But that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining Thank you. us today. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.